Welcome back to another episode of Kayfabe Comparisons. It's your boy, Wex, breaking the loss and joined with your boy, the, I was going to say the patron saint of the rock block, but the rock block sadly is, is coming here to an end. But your boy from War Trace, Tennessee, as we know right now, Jesse Baker, how you doing? Oh man, I'm doing good, doing great. You know, our uh, <clears throat> fearless leader got attacked with some work opportunities today so we are without the presence of mr know-it-all but we're gonna do a little uh do a little constructive criticism on aew full gear run down some news and notes for you guys we were gonna do top five luchadors we are off next week for thanksgiving so celebrate with your family take your time do that stuff i'm sure i'll be watching some wrestling but who knows and then we return the following week with a classic kayfabe comparisons format episode we're doing 20 years ago Survivor Series 2002, featuring the debut of the Elimination Chamber against Survivor Series 2022 that occurs next weekend after Thanksgiving. Wes, how you feel about that? That's going to be a pretty good comparison. You're going to get the Elimination Chamber debut versus the debut of War Games on the main roster. I mean, it's going to probably be pretty historic, just like the 2002 Survivor Series was. And I'm sure the following week we will definitely go back to that top five luchadors because I, I I got a good list. And oh yeah. I'm I'm definitely want to save that for a few weeks out from now, but uh, looks like uh, this week we're just gonna go ahead and kick it into just kind of local local. What the fuck am I talking about? Just the kind of current news and notes that's going on in the biz right now. Hell yeah! I mean, there's not too much going on in the WWE world. They're kind of closing in on Survivor Series. They're doing some storyline stuff. They've kind of gimmicked up Austin Theory, taking the selfie stuff away from him. Uh, obviously, Mia Yim joining up with the club. They're developing that whole story. She's now part of the women's war games. we got AJ versus Finn on the card. You know, they're be good. building that. Um, looks like uh, Bray Wyatt and LA Knight seems to be the plan on the SmackDown side of things, which is an interesting thing uh, to me. There's no real significance to it. It's kind of cold, so it's a... Super weird way to bring them back, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but that's really that, random. L.A. like all for of all the people from Bray Wyatt's past, L.A. Knight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, I mean, L.A. Knight, great on the mic, great in ring, but like this spot just doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, it seems it seems to me like they would be able to figure out a little bit more of a meaningful debut, unless they just want whatever Bray does to be like go out and steamroll somebody who the fans haven't really been given a chance to care too much for yet. You know. And in that way, I guess it kind of makes sense, but it's uh, I don't, it just seems like a weird booking choice to me. But uh, I don't even know if they've officially announced that. So maybe they pivot. Maybe they just go a completely different route. I don't know. The only other real WWE related thing, uh, apparently, well, other than I guess Logan Paul's injury was a little bit more severe than they let on. But apparently he's good to go for WrestleMania. So I'm sure Usos and Paul's probably going to be a thing. I've also heard the rumor of Paul and John Cena. Mm, I hate that, though. Or Cena and Austin Theory. I heard the new scuttlebutt has been that they have offered a WrestleMania match to your boy, your background, the one and only Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ooh. And now everybody is kind of a flutter about what would Stone Cold do if he were in this year's WrestleMania? You know, they're in what, L.A., I guess? Like, who who is it? Who would it be? I mean, everybody's still swearing on Rock and Roman, even though nothing's been announced, and I find that kind of hard to believe. But like, Stone Cold and Cena, Stone Cold and Punk, Stone Cold and you know, is it going to be a part timer or do they do the smart thing for the long term booking, revisit Stone Cold and say Owens and use somebody that's a full timer on the roster and give them the rub? Ooh, or just, I mean, I like the ideas of all that. If Punk's healthy enough to come back, that's the match that we never got to get. Straight Edge versus Beer Drinker that we they teased many times back in, a, back in the CM Punk era when he was still on his hot shit. But Stone Cold versus anybody is going to pop me because I fucking love Stone Cold. As long as, it's, as long as it's the right match and he like works it the right way like he did last time, I think it'd be great. And John Cena, we've never, we've never seen Stone Cold Cena. Right. Another one that I thought might be given Owen's past with, with Stone Cold and whatnot, what could be kind of funny, depending on how they work it, Stone Cold and Sami Zayn. Dude, yes. Great, dude. Sami's, dude, that'd be great. Sami Zayn can work with anybody. Or just, even though they want to see Roman and The Rock, uh, Austin Rock, another WrestleMania, I'd be I all don't. for it. 
I don't see it, man. I don't think either one of them would want to do it because neither one of them they're not going to do what they did. You know what I mean? Like Stone Cold. Yeah, they're never. Yeah, fucking Stone Cold. They probably don't want to tarnish the legacy of those matches, anyways. Right. For all I know, at this point, it might be Stone Cold and fucking Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) dude, there's WWE is not going to allow Ric Flair to wrestle under their fucking supervision. This is not going to happen. You never know, man. I never say never, dude. Triple H is at the helm now, and you know how much of a mark he is for Flair. So I wish Triple H didn't have that heart condition. Him versus Austin would be great. That would be a really good one, man. I, I thought about that too, but yeah, I think he's off the table. But you know, I'm just trying to think of Austin's classic opponents. Like all of them are fucking dead or worse off than him at this point. I feel like the smart move is to use somebody that they can that's going to get the rub and benefit from it. You know what I mean? Like uh, Owens clearly did. He was so almost- besides Owens, like who's like the most badass like brawler or just the most badass like character on the roster right now that would match up well with stone cold you know i mean i could see like honestly i could see stone cold and say like styles working really well oh my god that would be that's a that's a dream match right there yeah i mean i could see that working well i could see something working well possibly with a guy like i mean i don't know so much about finn balor but like depending on what they do with judgment day leading into mania i could see stone cold and a guy like damian priest yeah, that could be well, nice. Like, Stone Cold. Yeah. I mean, even just because he gets so many comparisons and you know he's going to officially be on the roster, something with Stone Cold and Dexter Loomis, that could be a nice... Could be, could be. I don't know how I feel about that one so much. Uh, again, I think there's still a lot, a lot left to be seen from Dexter Loomis. The character's pretty one-dimensional right now. So Hey, Stone Cold and The Miz. Everyone would love to see Stone Cold beat the shit out of The Miz. Everyone Miz, would love it. The Miz is the last guy that needs the rub, though. You know? Yeah. Well, no, he's not the rub. They'd like to see Stone Cold beat him. Yeah, I know. That'd be great. I just wonder if, you know, I mean, I love I love the Sami Zayn idea. Another one, if they end up wanting to drag his ass out of the gutter, Stone Cold and Austin Theory. I mean, you know who would be a great person to get the rub? Stone Cold versus Pete Dunn, a.k.a. Butch or whatever. It would be good. That would be somebody. They, They need to take that Butch shit off of him, though. Yeah. You know, that'd be. That'd be for well, the best. Tri- the Triple H era would take uh, get rid of some of that shit, but he's still holding on to some of the remnants of the vent shit. Yeah. I mean, everybody see uh, – the Brutes are doing well. They're being put in big fucking matches all the time, so, I mean, I don't really know. But time will only tell what we see out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. If he does make an appearance, you know, let's hope that it's just going to be a banger. I'm sure it will be no matter what. We're going to see a stunner. We're going to see some beer drunk, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, moving on, a little bit of WWE slash AEW news. We got Chris Jericho revealed on the Masked Singer. Yeah, and he made it to like number seven, which there's how I don't know. There's hardly more than ten contestants, so I mean that's pretty good. I guess so. He's uh, you know, he was a big pink. What is he like an alligator pony in a wedding dress or some shit? He was like a like a dinosaur type deal. But the first clip I heard of him singing, I was like, oh yeah, it's fucking Jericho immediately. Like there was no question about it. Like kind of hard to hide some- that after watching him for thirty plus fucking years, you know. Yeah, and then you li- hear, hearing fucking Judas once a week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you know what the fuck his voice is. Yeah, the clue so. clearly pointed to a wrestler too. I read. I mean, it's not like I watched that show, but I did go back and like look at what the little clue things were. I was like, yeah, it's fucking Jericho. But good for him. It's a mainstream exposure for AEW, which is ne- I mean, obviously that never hurts. That's a good thing. And uh, on into something that is not very good. Obviously, no. the scuttlebutt between Nick Aldis and Billy Corgan. Kind of, you know, just shooting the shit at each other through various interviews and things like that. Billy Corgan made some really stupid, unintelligent comments about women's wrestling that led to Nick Aldis blaming those comments on his decision to not renew his contract with AEW or NWA. Sorry, blasphemy. Um, and uh, and then him get suspended and left out of the most recent pay per view. But perhaps Nick Aldis knew a little bit more than we knew because. The new NWA World Heavyweight Champion holding the illustrious 10 pounds of fucking gold is Tyrus. And, dude, you guys have listened to the show before and heard us talk about it. We covered the NWA pay-per-view. I don't know. It was like a while back, but it was Tyrus versus fucking uh, Rodney Mack and one of the most just – Worst things I've ever had to watch. Like Tyrus was struggling, Rodney Max too old, and it was just like, why are they putting these guys? This was for the the 
the lower belt, the national heavyweight title. Right. At this point, this is a few months ago. And they made the decision to fucking put it on Tyrus, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. This is probably literally the worst NWA World Champion of all time. I mean, I can't really think of anybody that would be more disgraceful at this juncture. I mean, I like Nick Aldis's comments about Billy Corgan not giving the fans what they want to see from NWA out of spite kind of ring true after seeing what the results of that paper. I mean, I read the whole card and I'm like, who cares? I mean, Kerry, he just want some Morton, fucking right wing brownie points for Fox News to get the belt on Fox News. Is that what's going on? I guess for viewers and, you know, Corgan, I'm sure is justifying it by looking at it as a business and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, good God, it's also still like you're alienating a lot of your fan base there, man. And that's uh, like, and so did those comments. I mean, you make a bunch of comments about not being able to hold a women's pay-per-view because you don't have faith in them being able to carry the card. And then you put the belt on a guy like that. I, I just don't see where the goodwill gets bought back. Dude, he can hardly move in the ring. He looks like he's struggling the whole time. I'm sure everyone's seen the infamous clip over the weekend of him jumping off the top rope. It's just it's <laughs> pathetic. It's disgraceful. And it's just uh, it undermines everybody else on that roster because there's lots of great wrestlers on the NWA roster that deserve to be a world heavyweight champion over fucking Tyrus. Like so many people I can think of right now. And it's just. And just like Nick Aldis said in his interview that he was kind of shooting, it's embarrassing. And now I see why he said it was embarrassing because Tyrus representing any pro wrestling company in any capacity is embarrassing at this point in 2022. Like Absolutely. And I mean him even being in contention for the world's heavyweight title is mind-numbing to me. It's like, a big statement on where that company is. I knew Matt Cardona was leaving, but you have Trevor Murdoch right there who could have just kept the belt. Yep. Absolutely. You have – there's so many good wrestlers on their roster that could have been in that spot, but Ugh. they want to get the fucking goddamn Fox News rub, which no one cares. No one cared when he had the national title on there. Nope, not at all. I mean nobody wants to watch that dude, and least of all me. So good riddance to uh, any really caring about NWA, in my opinion, unless it gets – the ship needs to get turned around real, real, real fucking quick or it's going to crash. That's just William opinion. Patrick Corgan, you need to get your fucking shit together. If Josephus was still here, he would whoop your ass and get you in check is all I'm saying. That's right. Mongrovian karate, man. But Exactly. We got uh, a little bit more Bret Hart shedding the light on uh, talking some shiznit on good old Bill Goldberg, which is never going to end, I'm sure, until no. Bret's dying day. Never. You know, and you can't, you can't blame him, you know, and he's right. Like, had he sucked it up and – been able to stay for less money in WWF. He probably never would have had to wrestle Bill Goldberg. He probably would. He might still be doing these WrestleMania spots and able to perform today. Yeah, he, I I would say that he would be one of those people who would have been stayed in shape, kept their body right if he could still wrestle. Yeah. Which even though he can't wrestle, even though he's not wrestling, he's still he's not like out of shape or anything. Doesn't look no. like some of these other old guys from the early nineties. Yeah, and he also you know it's not like he was big into any of the. Stuff that would like, yeah, you know, he wasn't a big substance abuser or anything like that either. So it's not like he had anything nagging from that. He just so, drank and smoked weed, and that's pretty much it. Fucking shame, man. But uh, you know, I'm with him. Fuck Bill Goldberg. Yeah, fuck Onward. Goldberg. We uh, got some really cool news about a young lady that's been coming up on the indies for quite some time now. One and only Miss Billy Starks and uh, Space Jesus. We've gotten the privilege of calling a match at Revive Pro with her as a part First of it. First ever time I did commentary called a match with her. A lot of fun, and she is a stellar performer. I've seen, uh, you know, there was a, a sup surprise appearance not that long ago that was pretty stellar, and she just constantly kind of hits the grind everywhere she's going, and now is going to be debuting for MLW in January, which is a big step up, man. You know, in the company of guys like Alex Kane, our good buddy, and uh, yeah, MLW I think is stepping it up and is looking to kind of be a legitimate contender here. I mean, not that they haven't been in that tier, but I do think like. If you look at MLW and Impact side by side right now, it's kind of hard to say. Yeah, only I mean Impact Impact just has that slightly bigger platform, but when it comes to in ring, like they're both honestly MLW's in ring is probably just a little bit better than Impact, but Impact yeah. still has those the storylines and the production. Yeah, that's true. And MLW, I mean, if they can step that stuff up, man, I, I see that becoming a pretty big, you know, a, a solid fucking third. You know what I mean? Hey, if if they become easily available to watch on TV for me, that I don't have to go, like, go search it out on YouTube or, you know, go to 
something Probably. random. If it, if it becomes available on a channel for me to watch, I'm going to be watching it. Yep. Agreed. That's, what, that's when it comes to, like, I love all the indie wrestling. I love all the different promotions. But if I can't just, like, pull up fucking Comcast and watch it, then it's going to be hard. I'm not. It's, like, really hard for me to go and seek all the extra stuff. Or if it's not on, like, a, you know, a regular streaming service, like a HBO Max, a Netflix. Like, if it's not ex- – accessibility is what's really – like the main point when it comes to these promotions. That's why I'm hoping as we lead into some AEW news that Tony Khan will get that either a streaming deal or something for ROH because why do I I love ROH, but seeing ROH on AEW every week, it just kind of, I wouldn't say it diminishes it. It's just, I want to see them with their own thing. Yeah. It needs to be a separate brand. They need to kind of set the, you know, set a tone for what ROH is moving forward. And it also dilutes AEW's card in a way to have all these other uh, – if every fucking match is for a belt, you know what I mean? Like you get to a point where that becomes kind of tired. And AW has enough championships already, and then you add the ROH stuff into it, and it just becomes convoluted. So hopefully we'll see that happening here soon. Speaking of AEW, as we lead into what's going to be our coverage of Full Gear, uh, we are coming off of the go-home episode of AEW Dynamite where um, you know lots of cool stuff happened. There was a very stellar trios match that features – WWA 4's own Mr. A.R. Fox, who you may be familiar with from Lucha Underground and various other reputable indies across the nation and beyond, trained our good buddy Alex Kane, of course, that's second mention. Big ups, Alex. Hell yeah. AEW contract. Super exciting. And his performance in the match totally warranted it. That was a fucking stellar match, and I would love to see A.R. Fox as a regular on AEW programming. Dude, he he fucking killed it, and I, you know I've seen many matches of his over the years, whether it be Lucha Underground, uh, like Evolve, PWG. I'm pretty sure he's I've seen him in all of those at some point over the years. And Alex Kane, one of our boys, one of the you know OG podcast guys, and he went there WW4A I, back back in the day. Um, Mr. Hughes used to run that school, so that that shit's been around forever. And AR Fox clearly is. The guy, like kind of they said on commentary, if you watched uh, Dynamite, they're like he influenced and pretty much helped like inspire and train and literally train like top flight, train them and inspire just like he's like an innovator of the modern style of like wrestling that we see today. He just really never got his due on national TV. Yeah. Well, it's about fucking time, man. It's about time. Another thing like he's kind of like an amazing red, but more modern. True. Absolutely. And Red's another one, man. I, I would love to see a regular schedule for that guy pop back up again. But another thing it's about time for, for the trio's titles, we got the official news. Everybody's been wondering what's going to happen. Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and the like. And here we go. Saturday, they are back in All Elite Wrestling, the company that they co-founded alongside Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes. We got the Elite coming back to AEW. I know you're probably pretty excited about that. I am very excited. Like literally the elite and death triangle are six of my favorite modern pro wrestlers today as it is, including toss Finn Balor in there. And I'm fucking ecstatic. I know a lot of people like, you know, the more punk fans and the, the Jim Cornette guys, they're not so happy about the elite coming back, but dude, it's all elite wrestling for a reason. They're the heart and soul of the promotion. So like, I'm glad to see him back. I'm ready. I really don't care who wins this match because I said all six of these dudes are my mo- some of my favorite pro- like modern pro wrestlers today. But I have a feeling the elite are going to win the titles. But I don't know if they're smart, they won't go straight back and give themselves the title. Yeah, all I agree. I'm saying. I agree. I also think that there's probably there's some meat on the bone there to not necessarily have them have the three of them affiliated on a long term basis. Exactly. And guess who's somebody we haven't seen on TV in a while? Don Callis. And another person who's related to these these three guys, Adam Cole. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You you never know what could happen with a Don Callis heel turn, Adam Cole. You never know what's going to happen there. All I'm saying is expect the unexpected, and it'll be very smart for them to just not come and straight take the titles back immediately. I agree. Um, I do think that no matter what your opinion is of the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega, stylistically, politically, any of that stuff, you know, uh, you can't argue that this is a plus for all elite wrestling for them to be back. I mean, they've put so much time into building those names and those people as flagships of the promotion that it's nothing but a positive. Yeah. So you, 
can't take anything away from them. Yeah. But uh, I think it's probably about that time to go ahead and move into the card. Which, uh, since we've already been talking about it, let's just go ahead and uh, what's your prediction? AEW Trios Tag Team Championship match, Death Triangle versus the Elite. Uh, I'm hoping it's Death Triangle, but I don't know. You know what I mean? It could be either or. I could I could really see it going both ways. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go ahead and pick Death Triangle, but it could, yeah, like you said, but I'm going to go Death Triangle for that one. Okay. Fair All right, enough. so the, the, the next match on the card, uh, Darby Allen. And your boy Sting, if you saw the little vignette, he picked him up on the highway, getting ready for full gear, saying his classic, it's showtime. His little classic line is going up against T and Jay Lethal. So it's Ric Flair's last match versus Darby Allen and Sting. Who do you think is going to take this one? Man, uh, I think somehow Jarrett and Lethal are going to pull it out. And I'm not going to say that it won't be nefarious, but I do think with Jarrett coming in and them trying to kind of do – I mean. Hopefully they're trying to do something to establish what they're doing with all these impact guys. But I think probably trying to put some focus on Satnam Singh. And I think somehow that's probably going to play in. Uh, Sting and Darby, let's be honest, don't need the win, really. And if Jeff Jarrett can say that he put down Ric Flair and Sting both in the same year, uh, that's, you know, that's some bragging rights. So. Yeah, that that's actually probably the smart move. Have somehow in a nefarious way, have them win. And this could like ignite a longer feud and then Darby and Sting can get the win back later. I agree. What we got next? Ooh. All right. So the next match we got on the card is a very historic match. We got the return to the ring of Soraya Knight, AKA page going up against Britt Baker, Dr. DMD. And I don't know if you saw Britt Baker's promo this week on dynamite, but Everything that she said made me feel it, and I'm going Dr. Britt Baker for this match. That's who I want to win. That is not who I think is going to. I, I very strongly feel as though they're not going to have Soraya lose her first endeavor back in the ring after that many years. I just – I know that's cliche, and maybe my logic is exactly the opposite of what's going to happen, but I fully feel like they're going to put her over in this match as much as I want to see Britt win. I, I see your logic, and I see where you're coming from, but I just have a feeling – that she'll give her the rub and they'll, they'll have another match after this and she'll beat her later. But I feel like it's just going to undermine everything AEW's ever done. If they're just going to have Paige Soraya, just walk in and clean house. If she, if they have like a, one of those tough hard fart, hard fought matches and maybe, you know, they, yeah, maybe, maybe rebel and Jamie hater, Jamie hater cost her the match. That would be good. That that would be good. That would make sense. That would lead up to another feud. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go uh, Dr. Britt Baker for that one. Word, word, word. We shall see. I hope that's how it turns out. Me too. All right. So the first gimmick match on this card, it's a uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Have they been stressing hard on commentary, calling him Jack Perry versus Luchasaurus in the steel cage? Man, I fucking hope to Christ Jungle Boy goes over here. I think he's got to. It's been way, way, way too much just beating up on Jungle Boy. This whole thing has been going on for way too long, in my opinion, and I'm kind of tired of it. If Luchasaurus is ever going to be anything more than what he is, there's going to have to be a feud or something involved that does not have Jungle Boy as a part of it. They've got to get those two apart. Yeah, unless they want to keep them as a tag team, which it doesn't make sense at this point, I think Jungle Boy should have a decisive victory and they can kind of part their ways, but like they could both be singles wrestlers and then maybe Christian manages his, you know, has like, fuck, has Luchasaurus that like manage them for a while. Cause you know, he's still hurt. And then maybe once Christian comes back, Luchasaurus can then kind of reignite that with jungle boy and jungle boy can beat Christian. But I have a feeling Christian's going to have a big part in the match. Even though it's a still cage match, he's oh, yeah. going to, he's going to try some shit. Yeah, definitely. Which I love that AEW doesn't do the escape stipulation. Dumbest shit ever. A still cage matches to keep you in the cage. Keep everybody else out. But I'm going Jungle Boy just like you. Makes sense. There we go. Jungle Boy. All right. So the second title match on the card that we're going to talk about is a three-way against some goddamn big meaty men. Samoa Joe versus Powerhouse Hobbs versus Wardlow for the TNT Championship. Man. Who do you got? I would be happy with any of the three of them. 
you know, obviously I'm a big mark for Joe. I, I am still a solid believer in his work. I, I'm always going to fucking love watching that guy perform. I know a lot of people, I mean, I, I understand that he slowed down or whatever, but I mean, it fucking only makes sense. You know what I mean? Like the first bangers I ever saw him do were 20 years ago, literally. So, I mean, why wouldn't you slow down? Hobbs has a very bright future ahead of him. However, I do believe AEW is smart enough to keep their fucking moneymaker in Wardlow. I think that they, they got to keep that train rolling. My heart says Hobbs, but my brain says Wardlow. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see Hobbs get the nod. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely would. But I also think Hobbs Joe for the TV title is something that makes a lot more sense for Hobbs to win before he gets to that portion. I think the TNT title needs to stay where it is for a significant period of time. That would be actually really cool if Hobbs went to the ROH side starting next year and had a feud with Joe. That'd be be money. Yeah, absolutely it would. That's why they're putting the three-way on this pay-per-view. I just think Wardlow at the end of the day ends up eking this one out. All right, so yeah, we kind of we kind of got on the same page here. So the next up, another title match because you know they have uh, all the titles. The TBS Championship, Jade Cargill versus the Imposter Champion Nyla Rose. Who you got? Going Jade, dude. It's obvious. This is just one of those matches to make it seem like it's more of a struggle to just help get her over more, but Jade ain't fucking dropping it right here. Yeah. I don't think so I think at all. If she drops it, it's going to be to a former world champion, not her, more like a high profile, maybe a Soraya, maybe a Britt Baker, maybe a – I don't know. But I just don't see Nyla Rose being the one to take it because she doesn't need it. Yeah, not at all. And I mean I think at this point in time, it seems to me like with this entire angle that they're sort of trying to tease a turn and see how the crowd responds. You know what I mean? And like yeah. kind of get – some definitive character behind Jade other than just being that bitch, which, you know, whatever. I, I think we're done with that. You know what I mean? And she, dude, and she's been, I think she, like, I feel like she has enough support and stuff for being around for so long that they could definitely turn her baby face. If they can make MJF a baby face, which we'll get to here in a minute, they can do it with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, we're kind of on the same page with that one. So up next, this is a Four-way match for the ROH World Championship. We got Chris Jericho, the champion, defending against Brian Danielson, Sammy Guevara, and Claudio Castanole. Who you got? God, this is a hard one to call, dude. Um, if only because, like, it makes sense for different reasons on all four of them in so many fucking ways. Exactly. And a large part depends on what they do with ROH, you know? I mean, that's a big fucking part of it. My heart says that they're going to keep it on Jericho because I think when they do their next pay-per-view, they want him to be stewarding that brand. 100%. I agree. The smart thing, if they're going to do a streaming service to show or even a YouTube show, whatever they do, having Chris Jericho as the champion makes sense. It just makes all the sense in the world. But the only other thing like that's coming in at number two for me is if Sammy Guevara betrays him and pins him and takes the title. I that makes the most sense logically for me. I could see it, but I don't think that they're quite ready for Chris Jericho to be like a full-on babyface. And Sammy has to stay heel. Yeah, everyone fucking, fucking hates to. him. You're right. You're right. Um, Maybe they'll tease some dissension, like he almost cost him the title or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I could see something like that. Don't get me wrong. Danielson makes sense, although I do think that they want to keep him in the AEW picture more so than the ROH picture. Castanoli's not a bad guy to be leading the charge, being their champion going into a pay-per-view either, though. You know, yeah. I mean, he's he has a lot of recognition and things like that. Nowhere near the same. But yeah, and he's dude, Claudio's over as fuck, so it, it makes sense. If so, Jericho Claudio for business-wise makes the most sense. Yeah, but I think that they're going to roll with Jericho for right now Me too. and keep it. You know. Because that basically by that time, if they're going to move it, I think that they're going to move it on an ROH pay-per-view and make it mean something. I agree. All right, so coming up next is another championship match, but not a real championship match because it's the interim AEW's Women World Championship, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. And unless they somehow bring Thunder Rosa back, make it a three-way for the real title, like it doesn't matter who wins because it's, I'm over this interim shit because it's just ridiculous. She's been she's been gone out too long. Punk, I was getting over his interim shit, but he just suddenly came back. But 
I am not a fan of the interim world champions. Like, just yeah. fucking let them get the first rematch when they come back from injury. Just that. This is stupid. Yeah, that, 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 it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like the vacating, the tournaments, the whole deal. It's, there's so fucking much of it too, and that's one of AEW's largest problems. I mean, they've been plagued with injury. You know, I don't think anybody can really deny that injury or just outlying circumstances. And just move the fucking belt, bro. Like. Yeah, take your like, number one and number two contender and let them have it out. And whoever it is, is the champion. Because yeah, even, even if that, you want like a transitional champion, that's only there. like, just give it, put the belt on somebody. This interim shit is trash. Yeah. Or take your second, if it's a world championship, like in this case, take your secondary title holder and put them up against the number one contender. Take your TBS champion and put them up against your number one contender. Exactly. It only makes just sense. like, just like you're cashing it, just like option C for the X division title. Like, yeah, and that's what they use for the bullshit Tyrus explanation in NWA, too. They call it something else, but it's the same concept. Same thing. Like, if I mean, they kind of used to do that with way back in the day. Like, the Intercontinental t- Champion will get a shot at the world title for WWE. Makes sense. They they should do something like that. But, like, moving on, so we don't really matter who wins because it's just the interim title. I think Tony, Tony Storm will keep it. Yeah, me too. And then uh, maybe we'll have some more Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker dissension in this match. That'll boil over... I think that's why Tony keeps it. They need Hater to be involved in that angle. Okay, that makes sense. So coming up next, another championship match, the AEW World Tag Team Championship match, the Acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory. And I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. They're keeping it on the Acclaimed. Like, why the fuck would you not? Yeah. Swerve in Our Glory, I feel like this is their breakup match. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's not that I don't love them together. I do, but... Both of them are just capable of so much more, and I, I think – I mean I love them as a tag team. I think it was a very intelligent pairing, but especially fucking Swerve, man. I mean Keith Lee I think functions better when he is not the one fucking gigantic guy out of like eight guys in a ring. Watching that eight-man tag, it really threw me off. Yeah. He's like the size of three of those guys. And, you and know, Lee and Strickland have – plenty of capability to be solo to be solo guys. And I think Strickland even though I like some of his uh babyface work as you know kill shot and this over the years, he's just a better natural heel. It just works. I'm also seeing like if Hobbs, let's say hypothetically Hobbs and Joe do the ROH TV title thing, you know, a program with Wardlow and Keith Lee. Oh my god, that's money. That's money. I mean, yeah. Wardlow and Brian Cage, like Brian Cage Keith Lee, like yeah. Big meaty athletic dudes slapping meat and doing flips. That's what I want to see. We've evolved from big meaty dudes slapping meat. You have to slap meat and do flips. Yeah, damn right, Braun, Mr. Strowman. Yeah, punk ass bitch. You got to learn how to flip these days. This ain't this ain't ni- 1999. You got to flip. <laughs> but yeah, yeah uh, all right. Uh, coming up next is uh, not a. Basically, we don't really know the full outcome of this because this is before Friday for Rampage, but it's the finals in the Eliminator Tournament, and it's going to be Ethan Page versus either Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, or Lance Archer. Here's hoping – this is just me. I'm really hoping that it's Ricky Starks, and I'm really hoping he wins this match. Me too. I'm right there with you. I love Brian Cage. Ethan Page is – you know, he's pretty cool, but Ricky Starks is the future. He's the man. And if you're not going to put it on him, you got to go Brian Cage at a second at the at the least. You also got to think about like the outcome of the world title match, whether it's Moxley or MJF. If we're talking about th- whoever wins this being the next challenger and seeing a program with these people, Starks versus MJF if he wins or am, or fucking Mox- Moxley? Yeah. Both of those would be either one way better than the other options. Archer I have zero interest in at nope. all. Just none. Uh, Brian Cage, they just haven't represented him on AEW TV very well. He's more and of fully, ROH guy now anyways. Yeah, I fully believe ROH is his future firmly, and I don't think it's a bad move. I think that, again, if you're launching that promotion and you want a little bit of star power, I mean, Cage does have the Lucha Underground stuff. There are going to be people who tune into that who are like, I fucking remember that guy. You know what oh, I mean? That's, that's where I first saw Cage, and ever since then, I've been following his career. He's great. Yeah, and... I, I I do love Ethan Page. I love a lot of what he's done. Um, all of his like weird marky karate man stuff didn't piss me off. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was innovative. But I just don't see being invested in – at this juncture, being invested in that program. The one reason I think they might go with Ethan Page is the whole bit with Stokely Hathaway. 
Yeah, that makes sense. But I was really bummed to see him beat Bandito because Bandito versus Brian Cage would have probably been really awesome. Yes, it would. Yes, it absolutely would. And I'm sure we'll see that, you know, at some point in time down the line. But I'm hoping uh, against hope that it's Ricky Starks that wins on Friday and Ricky Starks that wins on Saturday and that we move into the world championship program with (sighs) absolute Ricky Starks. And the next match on the card is the AEW World Championship. Your boy, Maxwell, Jacob Friedman, going against not our boy, John Moxley. And we all, I feel like it just makes sense. Mox was already supposed to go on vacation before. He didn't before the bullshit. He stuck it out to another pay-per-view, and I think MJF wins the title. But the thing is, is he going to do it in a baby face or a heel fashion? I think the lines are still blurred enough that, you know, uh, therein lies the question. Eric Bischoff has always brought up a really, really great point about why the NWO worked, which is that you invent a question that everyone constantly has to ask themselves. And the anticipation is in wanting to hear that question answered. And I think a lot of it does have to do with MJF's turn, you know? What I'm saying right here is that if he doesn't fully turn – this this firm shit has all been set up. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I could see that, but I it's just, just so think- hard because he's got the crowd in the palm of his fucking hand. If he goes babyface, it's gonna be great. Everyone's gonna love it. So it's like, do you want to milk it a little bit longer, or just it's really hard to figure out when to pull that trigger. The other thing is, do you have to go babyface? You know what I mean? Like you don't really. I think to a degree we are past that paradigm in terms of being strict boundaries. Like it's not like you have to turn legitimately most with the exception of his post-show promo at dynamite, which I'm sure you saw yeah. like the coverage on it's, you know, he was obviously baby facing a little bit there, but the thing is, is like he really, for the most part, hasn't done all that much differently in his promos. He's really saying a lot of the same stuff. It's just a matter of, I think that the way that they've built it here and perhaps even by accident I think people are legitimately kind of tired of seeing Moxley at the top. I think everybody's kind of over it. And although I will say he's been doing better work these days than he has before, it's still not saying much when what he was doing before was barely watchable. So it kind of hits a point where it's just people want to see MJF win by proxy, but it's not, he's doing the stone cold thing. He's not coming out there and pandering. He's not coming out there and trying to make people fucking like him. He's legitimately just being kind of the same guy it's the position that he's in that is rendering which side of the coin that he's on. Dude, and dude, I've been thinking about this and I've heard other people talk about the theories, but what if William Regal turns and joins with MJF? Man, I could see it. To the be thing the is, ultimate fucking heels. And just like you said, like the whole hill face dynamic these days, like if it come, if you come think about it, Stone Cold, he acted like a heel but he was a babyface. Everybody loved him. There's just that. And these days, like just in pro wrestling, like we don't really have that definitive hill face thing. Like for the longest, Cody was acting like a hill, but still a babyface. Like, yeah, there's those lines masters. aren't quite defined anymore. Regal turning would serve two masters to me because I feel like that would effectively break up the Blackpool Combat Club, which I think all four of those guys need. Like, you know, I don't think it would break it up. They could still they could still stick together without Regal. I don't know. I mean, who suffers from that, though, really? I mean, Wheeler got a huge rub from it, and I don't think that that recognition for the audience is necessarily going anywhere. Uh, Cesaro doesn't need it. Danielson doesn't need it. And Moxley is going to be Moxley either way. If anything, Moxley probably needs to get away from it because you can't really be in the position where you're supposed to be the company's top babyface and be flanked by, like, a group of dudes that are supposedly have your back and all this shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just weird. Like, then that's the one reason that I don't like the idea of the turn is that if MJF is leading the charge and he's kind of like an accidental tweener, like we're talking about, mm-hmm. talk about a guy that doesn't need a mouthpiece and the best effective top baby faces that have ever worked didn't have anybody with him. I kind of see MJF being someone like a Eddie Guerrero or Ric Flair there. He's still going to do his heel shtick, but still be a baby face and everyone love it. Right. I mean, I definitely think that that's what's in the cards. The, I mean, the biggest determining factor there is what happens with the feuds. And yeah. I think that, like, that's kind of why Starks would be perfect. Yeah, exactly. He's he's really good. And just like I said, I would say MJF more so a Eddie Guerrero than a Flair because 
amazing in-ring, great promo, and just, I don't know. I feel like that just character seems a little bit better because Ric Flair, great character, great in-ring promo and all that stuff. But Eddie Guerrero was like pure, I don't know. If, if that, I just feel more Eddie in him than I do Flair. Well, Eddie had that athleticism in him, and as, as much as Flair was like revered by the fans even when he was a heel, Eddie was much more endearing than Flair. Exactly. It's like you could – Flair, you, there's nothing you could really relate to with Flair because he's just right. – I'm a rich guy. MJF has already cut those promos. You're like, oh, shit. Like back when his feud was CM Punk, like you can relate to that. Yeah, 100%. You can feel and, it, and that's what gives that crowd connection. That's why everyone loves him. Talking about his background with Regal went a long way with that to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like Everything. There's a, a lot of stuff like that. And even now where it's kind of like there is this semblance of David versus Goliath in the sense of the wrestling veteranship and you know him saying things like, I'm not the same kid that faced you last time and stuff like that. Like all that makes sense to me, man. But I will say this definitively. If AEW does not, for any reason, put the title on MJF at this show, they are out of their fucking minds. Okay, this is this is the time to pull the trigger. Okay, I'll take a reference back. You remember Braun Strowman in his early days versus Roman Reigns, like pushed him in the gurney off the fucking thing, knocking over the ambulance. Like that was the time to pull the trigger. He was over like Rover. I mean, he turned out to be shit, but if they would have pulled the trigger then, his career could have been different. Like, 100%. Pulling the trigger at the right time, it's such a hard thing to do, but if you can do it and catch that lightning in a bottle, which I think they have with MJF right now, like, amazing. Imagine just MJF world title run facing people like Ricky Starks, Darby Allin, Jungle Boy, pure AEW people, and it'll be great. Imagine MJF, and and people are going to hate me for saying this, but just entertain it for a second. Even if it's a small program that happens out on Dynamite, MJF and Jarrett would be fucking great. Oh yes, that'd be fantastic. I just I, and I even though I don't like the dude, if CM Punk happens to come back and fulfill out his contract and have one more run against MJF, yeah, dude, he would think, even though even if MJF was more centered as a heel at the time, CM Punk would get booed like he would be the ultimate heel at this point. Yeah, I mean MJF's like the only guy on that roster I think that could really effectively make that work. Unless you really amp up the shit and it was like Punk and Omega. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. I don't Punk see that happen. Colt Cabana. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think the general mainstream public gives two fucks enough about that for it to matter outside of us. You know, that would be definitely serving the marks, but yeah. So, so do you think that Colt Cabana is CM Punk's uh, Goldberg? No, not at who, all. Who, who's his Goldberg? CM Punk. <laughs> He fucking put himself out of the business, dude. Like he did. That, he at got, the end of the day, that's what he did. And I mean, the way that he executed that the first time, yes, genius. I understand it. But you can't go back to the well with something like that. Like you can't drop like revolutionary derogatory terms about the people that fucking pay you twice in two different the, companies. The first time it was okay because it literally was some old fucking men who didn't really – wrestle and know how it was to be a wrestler we're just doing their shit but he's literally talking about wrestlers who have fucking you know grinded their whole career to get to that point that gave him that opportunity to even make a comeback in wrestling which is yeah blows my mind yeah i mean here's the thing it was never going to happen if aew wasn't on the landscape no he wasn't going to go back to wwe no matter what like he would go back for the stupid fucking talk show but he wasn't going to step back in a wwe ring may he at this point i'm not putting anything past triple h but I just don't think that – I, I don't think it would have happened without AEW, man. I really don't. No. And Not. Just like MJF said, AEW has that nice alternative pro wrestling company and brand that wrestlers can go work and make a good living and entertain the fans. Like it doesn't have to be the rival to WWE. It doesn't have to be the same thing, but it is definitely the best alternative we had in a long time. My favorite part of his promo that I read – was when he noted that if it weren't for AEW being created, that your favorite wrestlers wouldn't be getting paid the correct amount. They wouldn't have the opportunity to put food on the table. They exactly. wouldn't have the same opportunity to work. And that goes both ways. That's not just in AEW. That is in any company in existence. The fucking rising tide raises all ships, man. Dude, like, the fact that – think about that. The fact that AEW existed, people like Kevin Owens and these other wrestlers got – 
fucking crazy contracts just because they didn't want them to leave and go to the other company. And even though a lot of those people, you know, released due to Vince McMahon, but still, like, think about the contracts people were getting just the fact that there's another company you could work at. Think about the people that have been brought back. Do you think for a split second the Good Brothers would have gotten another look from WWE had it not been for what they did during the pandemic, nine months of which included AEW? Dude, talking shop a mania? God damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I'm just saying, like, I just don't think I think that they're that level of popularity, that level of exposure, and the opportunity to show that they were willing to grind. Whereas a lot of guys just laid back and said, oh, woe is me and didn't do shit. They got out there and were immediately booking themselves everywhere they could. Exactly. And, I, and them. Young Bucks, Matt Cardona, a lot of different people have shown, like, if you're if you have the big enough fan base, you can make a good living on the indies. You don't have to be in WWE or AEW, but the fact that option is available, it lets these companies see, like, oh, well, this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. He has a solid fan base. He he knows how to keep the crowd going, so they might they'll bring you back, which is, I think, fantastic. Like a lot of guys can't, you know, a lot of guys go on the indie scene. And just like you said, kind of lay back, don't really like put all the work in. And if you put in the work, you will get called back. It just it's happened. Drew McIntyre, a lot of people, Jinder Mahal. Look at the fucking biggest pop in all of WrestleMania this year. That's one thing that you cannot take away from AEW. In a very small period of time, their life cycle created a situation where Cody Rhodes came out to the largest motherfucking pop of the show. He went from a face painted joke wrestler that no one gave a fuck about. To reinventing himself and literally he used all of his AEW, like the character, the brand recognition, he all built everything that came from AEW he brought to WWE. Yeah, and I mean I'm not saying that he wouldn't have gotten that look without AEW, but I don't think he would have been placed the same way on the card. And I can guarantee things like his music, his gimmick, all of that stuff would not have gone along with it. Exactly, because they they realize an established fan base, an established brand like – when when Drew McIntyre came back, like he had to like you know bullshit a while on the mid card until he got into the main event scene. Like a lot of these people, it takes a minute. Like an NXT run. Like if Cody, if there'd have been no AEW, Cody would have had an NXT run. Yeah, I can 100%. totally see that happening, which would be fucking sad and awful. But AEW has reinvigorated a lot of careers already. I think it will continue to. I wouldn't put it. Pa- I mean, to be honest, like. I think probably the smartest decision at this point, even I could see Adam Cole going back. I could see a lot of different things happening with a lot of guys that have jumped ship already. And to be honest with you, it makes sense. If WWE stays on the trend that they have been, I think it could be a really good thing for everyone. Yeah. And speaking of, I know you mentioned Adam Cole. We didn't mention this earlier, but you see Bobby Fish won his uh, pro boxing debut. I did. That's that's on awesome the Floyd too. Mayweather undercard. Yeah, man. I mean, like, look. Keep on doing shit like that, and if you, you know, at some point in time, I could see him going back into a ring. I know that he's a little bit more up there than some of the guys, but like, I'm a Bobby Fish fan. I always have been. I like, I, you know, it's. I know he got he's injury prone and stuff, but I could see being in combat sports for a year or two, and then going back and kind of. I hate to use the term smooth sailing, but it kind of is in comparison. <laughs> like, yeah, and all I know is he called out CM Punk for a fight. He said, "Any style of fight, anywhere you want." I want to see it happen because Punk, all of his professional fights, he got fucked up. Though MMA is different than boxing, I'd still love to see Punk versus Bobby Fish in a sanctioned fight. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see that. Bobby <laughs> Fish would probably whoop his ass because Punk knows he'd whoop his ass at this exactly. point. Exactly. That's why we saw him in that boxing match. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, that that ain't that ain't going down. But what is going down, guys? Next week is Thanksgiving, so uh, you know. Get around your loved ones. Get some turkey day. I'll actually be going back to Nashville proper for the first time since the beginning of September, albeit only for a day. But that'll be interesting. Um, you know, you got any big uh, big turkey day plans? Uh, just, you know, some Madison, maybe some Hendersonville, you know, just a little little local area stuff. It's like my, my, my mom, that side of the family is having their shit. At the same time as the other side of my family that I just met. So I got to try to work out some, uh, you know, dipping in and out of both. You know how it is. I've never had I've never had a dad's side to visit ever until this year. So that'll be that'll be a new exciting thing. A little uh, ravishing Rick Rude and be on both shows at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Both shows at the same time. I'm, even though I might be a more uh, less eating and more partying at one or the other, you know, I'm, I'm still I'm going to try to make a make an appearance at both of them. 
There you go. There you go. Well, we hope all you guys have a great Thanksgiving too. And uh, I'm sure that Mr. Know-it-all Daniel John Schaefer would agree with us. We will be skipping our weekly installment of K-Fabe Comparisons for the holiday week. Give you guys some time to rest and greatly anticipate our triumphant return the following week with a classic K-Fabe Comparisons format episode. Survivor Series 2002, debut of the Elimination Chamber and the Poop Brown Pants and a whole bunch of other really great matches. Which uh, made the top of our list last week as some of the worst gear of all time. It was my number one, and then when it was your number two, I decided to switch it. But number two was kind of funnier because they're poop brown pants. But that's just kind of how things shook out. However, uh, that will be going up against – that was the debut of the Elimination Chamber. And as Wex pointed out at the top of the show, that will be going up against the Survivor Series 2022 card, which is going to be the main roster debut of – WWE's current version of War Games. War Games. That ought to be uh, that ought to be a pretty interesting landscape. I, I hear Kevin Owens' injury has significantly altered the plans for what that men's main roster War Games match is. But time will tell. We'll see what happens, and I'm excited about it. I love doing those comparison formats. So you know, super super duper stoked. So yeah, man, looking forward to it. Wex, do you want to uh, tell them where they can find you? You can always find your boy Wex breaking the loss and at Wex breaking the loss and on all of your social medias. Uh, it's at Wex Loss on Twitter because you know I got a little fucked up and you know Kayfabe comparisons on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. You know, go follow all of it. And I just want to say, uh, Mr. Daniel John Schaefer, for the second time this year, I beat him in fantasy football. Oops. A member of the 200 club got 200 points. I'm still leading the league. Uh, I lost lost a couple in a row, but you know I had to break that losing streak again, Mr. Uh, against Mr. Know It All, and I'm going for the championship, baby. Daniel will be in the playoffs. He has a good record, but I'm going for the win. I want to say tighten up. The Titans are playing Green Bay tonight in the snow. Let's hope for a victory. Fuck Aaron Rodgers and uh, Jesse. Where can we find you? Man, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Baker Nash. I'll probably get rid of that Twitter here soon. Fucking stupid, depressing, but. You know, I mainly use that for wrestling stuff, so I'm going to put more of that content on other things. Facebook, regular old Jesse Baker. TikTok, you can always find the podcast at kfabe.com pod. Easy for me to say. And then at kfabe.com everywhere else on the internet. So you can find our fearless leader, Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, at Daniel Daybreak on all of your social medias. And I won't run down the list, but, you know, all of them. And you can find us two weeks from now, Classic K-Fabe Comparisons episode, Survivor Series 2002 versus 2022. Super stoked. And I think that does it. So we are out. Peace. Holler at you. Holler at your boys, and we will see you in two weeks. Peace. Mm-hmm.